we are back with uh, Vikas Ahmed. Um, it's been a few months since we talked uh, about Imran Khan, but the story goes on and on and on. Uh, last time we talked, uh, Vikas, it was uh, they had just done the assassination attempt on Imran Khan. Uh, he has survived. He continues to survive. Um, uh, but um, since then, you know, the past couple of days, I wanted to bring you back because the past couple of days they've uh, done this arrest attempt. There's a there's a thing going on at the court in Lahore, um, more rallies. Uh, so there's a lot to update here. Uh, but also in the meantime, I, I, I gather you've um, you've got some more information about the coup. <laughs> um, uh, I guess uh, I'm I'm still calling it a coup. Uh, I don't know where the where the debate is at about about the coup, but we're going to continue to call it that here. Um, so I don't know, Vikas. Maybe we should go. Do you want to try to go from? Do you want to talk about the? Let's talk about the coup first, because you, you um you've done some long threads on Twitter where you've got some you know new sources of information that you wanted to talk about how the coup happened in the first place and and more details that you know. So why don't we start with that? Yeah, sure. So I've been looking at th this for past year like really deep diving still looking into every detail and initially when it happened Imran Khan said uh, and a lot of people at that time said that this, this was a coup initiated by the Americans and they wanted uh, the Pakistani government toppled Imran Khan's government toppled and this was like a uh, foreign funded regime change which has had its merits and but there were no clear indications no real proofs of this um, while studying all this and while going through this and interviewing people, looking at documents, it turns out this was like really complicated, but it was, but the bottom line is it was initiated by the army chief at that time, uh, General Kamar Javed Bajwa. He wanted his prime minister removed. And the way he did it was like uh, covering all his bases. So this story starts in 2021. Uh, in 2021, uh, Kamar Javed Bajwa approaches this foreign uh, lobbying guy, uh, Robert Grenier. Robert Grenier is the former station chief of the CIA in Pakistan. He used to be in Islamabad. I guess that's how he made relationships with this, these Pakistani military guys. Uh, this happened while Imran Khan's government was in power. So Imran Khan is the prime minister. Kamar Javed Bajwa is the army chief. At this point, this Bajwa reaches out to Grenier through a third party, a member of Imran Khan's own party reaches out to Grenier and says that we need your lobbying services. And they transfer around 150,000 US dollars to this guy. So this guy starts lobbying, but he's not lobbying for the Pakistani government, even though the, the US government has this thing called FARA declaration. FARA is Foreign Agents Registration Act. So anyone who is lobbying on the behalf of a foreign government must be a registered agent in America. Uh, and they have to declare that. So Robert Grenier makes this FARA declaration, says that he's working on behalf of the Pakistani government. But the Pakistani government doesn't know. He's actually working on behalf of the Pakistani military. And uh, uh, Imran Khan doesn't know, even though he's the prime minister. And there's this FARA declaration that happens secretly. So Robert Grenier starts lobbying, 
But what is he lobbying about? He's not lobbying about Imran Khan. He's not lobbying about Pakistan. He's lobbying about a specific person. He's lobbying about General Kamar Javed Bajwa. He's pushing him in um, uh, in these um, in DC basically. So Robert Jr. hires another guy, the former Pakistani ambassador Hussein Akani, to uh, to do this lobbying. And Hussein Akani is a very well connected guy in DC. Hussein Haqqani starts reaching out to people. Hussain I've Haqqani... seen I've seen Hussein Haqqani speak in. Uh, I saw him speak in Delhi in 2013, I believe, and, and he, he writes books, books, right? He's yeah, talking like... about like new Pakistan, like how new Pakistan would be. And of course, I asked him. I I was in the audience, so I asked him about Afghanistan and strategic depth, and uh, he sort of said, "Well, yeah, you know, that's got to change too with the new Pakistan." So. So you might have noticed he's very he was very anti Pakistan army and Pakistani establishment. Yeah, yeah, I would say he was talking about the need to change that. Yeah, I would say that was his his message in 2013. Yeah, he's not exactly talking about that anymore. Uh, or he... <laughs> well, his his views have evolved, I guess. Yeah, views evolve when even when you're like really old, but sometimes money makes your views evolve even faster. It's a very good catalyst for opinions. So so tell so, me. Grenier reaches out to Hussein Akani and says that uh, you know you, you have to lobby for Pakistan, and he's like, okay. And Hussein Akani receives a payment of $30,000 in his bank account, which is all, it, it's documented. It's in the doc, FARA documents that Hussein Akani accepts this payment. As soon as Hussein Akani accepts this payment, he starts talking about something completely different from what has, he has been talking about his whole life, like his career since at least the 80s. He starts saying that Pakistani military is the main power in Pakistan and you must, everyone must engage with Pakistani military and not with Imran Khan. And he starts making case for Bajwa being this, uh, this amazing uh, guy who can save Pakistan, who can, you know, reimagine Pakistan. And this starts happening and nobody knows what. So like, these are, these are like public statements, reports and speeches. Yeah. So he's, he's out there doing this. Yeah, he's, he's, he's written it's an not a behind the scenes lobby. Yeah. No, no. He starts, he starts uh, writing, uh, Articles, for example, there's this one article that whose uh, title goes, I have to look it up. While you look it up, let me tell you the best quote, the best Hussein Haqqani quote, which might be like the best quote I've ever heard from any politician ever. It was when there was this American guy who committed this crime in Pakistan. He shot somebody or something. And the Americans were trying to get him out. He was some kind of agent. And it was a long, convoluted story, uh, unbelievable story. And then the Americans sort of tried to intercede on behalf of this spy or whatever. And the, and Haqqani was in the government at the time. And Haqqani said something like, no, I'll always remember the quote. He said, if you're going to send a Jason Bourne character in the, into Pakistan, he should have the Jason Bourne skills to get out of Pakistan. <laughs> That was Raymond Davis. He was a contractor. A <laughs> yeah. So, so like I'll read good. you this uh, headline. Okay. He's he in uh, 2015. He's writing. Why are we sending this attack helicopter in Pakistan? This article is published in Hudson Institute. Mm -hmm. Then, in, uh, in foreign affairs, he writes this article. Breaking up is not hard to do. That's the title of the article. 
Right. He wants to break. Why U.S.-Pakistani alliance is not worth the trouble? He's writing this in 2014, 2013, right? For and Then, he's writing this basically saying America should stop, stop engaging with with Pakistan. What? Okay. Then in September he receives this payment of thirty thousand dollars and he writes an article for the Hill and it's it, it the title is U.S.-Pakistan relations need more candor. Okay. See, from breaking up is not hard to do to they need more candor. So there, <laughs> there's a lot uh, money can do. So he starts doing that, and the candor that he is talking about is engagement with the military, not okay. with the civilian government, not with the democratically elected government, with the civilian government. And then he reaches uh, this. All everything I've told uh, till now is based on publicly available documents. Now, then I had a few meetings with different people, inside sources, people who know, and they say Hussein Akani met. General Tuck had a secret meeting with Bajwa and the DGISI in the UAE around September of 2021. In that meeting, it was decided that Bajwa is going to come to the US, and Senakani will do lobbying for him. He will write a report for him, and he will build a case for having better relationships with Pakistani military. And that report is written. That report is public. So uh, when Bajwa eventually goes in 2022, Bajwa goes to the US. To try to make a case for his extension, uh, that report does come out. It is uh, publicly available on the Hudson website. So basically, the case, the thing is, Bajwa wants Imran Khan removed, and he wants support of uh, the opposition at home. That he uh, manages to get the support of opposition at home, the PPP, the PMLN. He gets that support, and he also needs uh, support from abroad. So that when he does a like he does a coup against a democratic government, he doesn't face any sanction. He doesn't face any trouble from the American. Mm -hmm. And for that purpose, he hires these he hires these lo lobbying people. Finally, in April, after having all his ducks in the row, after like figuring everything out, meanwhile, Imran Khan is sleeping. He does not know all of this is happening behind his back. That his own army chief has done all of this. So in uh, finally in A April he goes through that coup. He topples Imran Khan's government. There is no uh, noise from anywhere because he's covered Americans. Americans, uh, I believe, have uh, tacitly given him a go ahead because the um, the Under Secretary of the State Donald Liu has said to uh, the Pakistani ambassador that Imran Khan, you know, as a signal that Imran Khan is not acceptable to them either. So that cable is intercepted in Pakistan. Imran Khan grabs that cable and says the Americans are trying to remove him. What Imran Khan does not know is that Pakistanis are trying to remove him, and they have uh, gotten approval of the Americans, and everyone wants him gone. So in April, they finally go ahead. But there is one entity that does not want Imran Khan gone, and that is the people of Pakistan. And people of Pakistan stand up in April. And they have put up a tough resistance, a resistance that I have never seen in Pakistani history. And it is like even in like global events, if you look at recent events, such great, such organized resistance has not been seen for mm -hmm. one year. Mm -hmm. The Pakistani military, the Pakistani opposition, the Pakistani police, everyone has uh, the Pakistani like government. Everyone had joined forces to torture. Uh, Imran Khan supporter to kidnap Imran Khan supporters who sexually abuse him. They killed one journalist. They kept, they kidnapped many journalists. They tried to kill Imran Khan. Imran Khan got four bullets. Mm -hmm. Everything happened, 
but still they have not given up. So mm-hmm. this brings us to our last meeting that we had that Imran, there was an assassination attempt in November and Imran Khan got four bullets. He had been on the bed since then, like he's been resting, he's been in his home since then. And the uh, government, meanwhile, came up with a new strategy. The new strategy was to uh, start cases, to start these legal yeah. court cases Imran Khan, against Imran Khan. And till now, they have 94 cases against him, making it physically impossible for him to go attend court hearings. So because if you have 94 cases, you have 94 court hearings. Some yeah. of them are bunched together. Some of them are not. But you keep going all the way with uh, four bullets in your leg. You can't even walk with security threats. They already want to kill you. So Imran Khan keeps going to these, uh, like, uh, finally, he's like, I cannot go to these court cases anymore. And yeah. that is when they finally converge on his house. They made they, they're, they're like hundreds of police officers with guns, tear gas, uh, batons, uh, chemical, uh, like expired yeah. tear gas that have become chemical weapons of sorts. They yeah. converge on his house. And then these people of Imran Khan, Imran Khan's supporter, barricade this whole uh, neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's like something out of like Limiz, you know, yeah. uh, the, like the French <laughs> Revolution. They create this barricade and mm-hmm. they're pushing the police police back. These protesters, these uh, activists, they do not have weapon. They do have sticks. They do have stones. There are reports that mm-hmm. they, they try to, uh, you know, throw uh, petrol uh, in like bottles, like Molotov cocktails of sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is uh, not confirmed. But we do know that they resisted and they pushed the, for three days. They have been pushing the police back and the police has finally given up. The police has been finally pushed back. And then uh, and then there's also um, what's this march? I saw some march to the high court or something. I saw this. On yeah. Twitter. So uh, they, uh, Imran Khan, uh, the, the, meanwhile, while all this was happening, Imran Khan had a government in two provinces, Punjab and Khyber Pakhtunkhwa. Imran Khan decided that they're going to, everyone is going to resi- resign. They're going to dissolve these assemblies. They finally dissolved these assemblies to force the government to have elections in at least these two provinces. So finally, and that case went to court eventually. The Supreme Court decided that elections must happen on 30th of April. Uh, the government decided. The, the government realizing that Imran Khan is so popular that if they go into elections, Imran Khan is going to clean sweep. They decided to stop his election rallies, and now he cannot go to rallies, but he can go to his court hearings. So now they have turned these court hearings into election rallies. So Imran Khan today went from his house to a court hearing, and that walk, that drive from his house to court, the court became an election rally. And because there are 94 of them going, any any day he wants to have a rally, he can do it at a, on a court date. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so the uh, April 30th is is the Supreme Court is called elections, national elections? No, provincial. No, just those provincial two. Election. Yeah. But these two provinces are 70% of Pakistan. If they win these elections, then the government would be forced to have national elections also, because then the federal government would be like the mayorship of Islamabad. The federal government doesn't have actually a lot of powers, except for defense and foreign affairs. They don't have a lot. Mm. So, so they would be helpless. The police in two of the biggest provinces would be under Imran Khan's government. And they're really afraid of that. <laughs> what, a, what a situation. So what um, 
what about Bajwa? So where he's reti- he retired. He retired in November. So after all this, after all this, after all, after all the lobbying, after removing his uh, prime minister, after trying everything, he. The thing is, in April of last year, when the people rose up against Bajwa, they made him to look really bad. Bajwa couldn't manage anything. He the the law and order situation in Pakistan got really bad. The military establishment couldn't had handle anything. Internally, he lost support of his own generals. Externally, Americans were not really happy that the, this operation that he was supposed to do, he was supposed to do it cleanly, and he made a mess out of it. So nobody supported Bajwa. He went to DC to ask for his extension. You know, he wanted to stay on for a couple of more years. But at DC, they, they were like, no, we can't do that. We cannot allow you to do that. You have made a huge mess out of it. So he comes back. He tries everything. Till the last moment, he tries everything. Nobody wants him there. So he finally has to retire. And while retiring, he chooses this guy who is his uh, protege of sorts. He's like his second command who's going to follow the same policy that he's going to follow. Uh, the input he receives is from Nawaz Sharif, the former prime minister. Nawaz Sharif wants Asim Munir, the current chief uh, chief of army staff, to become the new chief. And uh, Bajwa hands over the military to Asim Munir and Bajwa retires. Then Bajwa flees from Pakistan. He's now like, imagine the irony, the military general, the former military chief of Pakistan army is now in the UAE because he does not feel safe in Pakistan. <laughs> so what's, um, what's Mr. Munir, what's uh, Colonel Munir been up to? General, Asim Munir. General, general, general Asim Munir, Munir is carrying out the same, uh, same policies as uh, Mr. Bajwa. He's not really helping Imran Khan. Like Imran Khan doesn't even ask for help. The only uh, thing uh, PTI is asking for is elections on April yeah. 30th. They are trying their best to stop these elections from happening. Sometimes, uh, so like recently, the Election Commission of Pakistan said that they cannot hold election, which is their constitutional responsibility. The Pakistani military has refused to give security for elections. The Pakistani government and the police have refused security for elections. The election commission says we cannot hold elections on time. So all of these Pakistani institutions have come together to delay elections because they are so afraid of Imran Khan. And this is the policy that they're continuing. And, okay. And then we have to, um, I guess we have to also revisit the parties because the coup uh, or recon, whatever we were calling it before, reconfiguration or whatever it is. I mean, the the defectors from Imran Khan's party were important, and also the old parties were important. So the Sharif party and the uh, Zardari party. And I know that's not their actual names, but um, MLN and PPP. Yeah. <laughs> so so what are they? What have they been up to? And Okay, uh, they are in the government and they're trying to manage all these things. Uh, in addition to that, Pakistan is going through an economic crisis and it keeps getting worse. Uh, the, the rupee keeps losing value. Inflation yeah. keeps going up. Inflation right now is almost 50%. Uh, so, and like people and are- that was that was like before too, right? Like Imran Khan was dealing with that too and and struggling with it. And this is this was part of the... 
reason yeah. we thought the U.S. was involved because he was making deals with Russia over food and energy. Yeah, in April of last year, whole world was going through some exactly yeah. crisis. There was the supply chain disruptions that caused uh, inflation all over the world. It caused inflation in India, Bangladesh, everywhere. India managed by getting cheaper fuel from Russia. Pakistan could not manage to get cheaper fuel from Russia because this coup happened and then we were trying to balance or act with Americans. So uh, since they did not get cheaper fuel and fuel is the biggest, uh, you know, cost that Pakistani government has the biggest price uh, Pakistani government has to pay, the biggest commodity that they yeah. import. And uh, since then, Pakistan has been impu- importing this uh, costly fuel and the oil prices in Pakistan are really high. They keep going higher and higher. Uh, and the poor people in Pakistan have been suffering. So one way to go get out of it was to go to the IMF. Mm-hmm. And Pakistan since then has been trying to negotiate with the IMF. And this government that does not have political legitimacy uh, has been unable to negotiate with the IMF because they, they cannot... Uh, follow the conditions of the IMF. IMF conditions are really tough. They want fuel prices to be risen and they want, uh, you know, taxes to be increased, especially on the rich Pakistanis. And this government cannot do that. The government cannot increase taxes on rich Pakistanis because they rely on the support of rich Pakistanis. They cannot increase fuel prices because they rely on, you know, they they want to rely on the vote of the people Mm -hmm. in the next elections that are imminent. So what is happening is uh, that the the negotiation with the IMF are going horribly. Just recently, the government started making this narrative that IMF is asking Pakistan to get rid of its nukes. So this is like a completely false narrative. This is like <laughs> to make an excuse that once the IMF talks fail, once Pakistan collapses, yeah. once Pakistan uh, goes bankrupt, they're going to say we went bankrupt because IMF wanted to buy Pakistani nukes or wanted to get rid of Pakistani missiles. This so if, like... if, um, if, if the economic crisis gets bad enough, is it possible they would allow Imran Khan to come back so he could deal with a no. completely miserable economic situation? No, the, one of the reasons they want Pakistan to collapse is maybe if Pakistan goes bankrupt, the elections will be delayed. Imagine that. You know, if you sometimes like if you're a kid and you don't want to go to school, you just want to stay at home, you cut off your arm instead of an excuse that I'm sick. This is what they're doing. They're cutting off their arm just to delay elections. They're going to make Pakistan go bankrupt just to delay elections. Well, so what's going to (laughs) happen? I mean... There's, there's still, there's still got to be some chance they're going that elections are going to happen. I mean, if if people, it, it, it's, it's, it's been historically possible that people can force a unpopular government to hold an election. It's not completely impossible in this case, it seems to me, but. The, the I mean I think I think I think the size of the rallies and the size of the resistance is amazing, but I, I have to say I I am also impressed with the with the pig headedness and persistence of the uh, post coup regime in, in hanging yeah. on. This is a pretty a pretty amazing fortitude they've had to hold on in spite of in spite of 
Yeah, but see, this is a problem that like I am also have been recently have been thinking about. If all the people come out in the streets yeah. and then all the institutions are against those people, what do they have to do except for sh- shedding blood? What do they have to do to force the government's hand? And I don't yeah. understand how they, these things actually work, you know, logistically. Now, people <laughs> are on the street and they yeah. want elections. And the military doesn't want elections. The the courts do not want elections, except for maybe two, three judges. The courts do not want elections. The police doesn't want elections. The you know the government doesn't want elections, and they will try uh, everything. They will try to make excuses. They might start you know some false flag operation and say there's like terrorism in Pakistan. If they try all of these things, what can the people do to force the government's hand to make them move towards elections? And this is what we will learn. Uh, if you yeah. keep observing the situation in Pakistan, how do people force, how do people drag this government and this institution, this entrenched status quo, drag them towards elections? This it has to be seen. I do not know how this will eventually work out. It is very strange. It's like unstoppable force versus immovable object. Yeah. The immovable object is the Pakistani government, the Pakistani establishment, the Pakistani status quo. The unstoppable force is the force of the people. Yeah. And every day. And this is the, this is not good for the country. The economy is suffering. Everything is bad. Uh, people, the human rights of people have uh, been, been trampled upon. Uh, people can't say what they want to say. Uh, there is uh, no journalism in Pakistan anymore. Uh, uh, the media is completely under control. So the earth had to shake. For, you know, there had to be like the tectonic plates had to move uh, to stop the will of the people. And this is what we are observing right now. So it seems to me, okay, so we have we have the same dilemma we've been talking about for almost a year in a way. And we can we we're not going to resolve it. We have to see what happens. But um, it seems to me there's only really two possibilities in the next few months. And one is that they. uh have an election and the other is they actually arrest Imran Khan which or kill him or kill him yeah if they arrest or kill him if they arrest him they're going to keep him for a while and if they arrest him and keep him for a while people will lose all hope in Pakistan right now Pakistan are leaving Pakistan in droves everyone I talk to he's like I want to leave Pakistan give me tips on like grad school Mm -hmm. tips and job tips however I want to leave wherever Dubai U.S., Canada, Australia, I just want to. These are educated people, people with master's degrees. People, people with the option, yeah, of course. People with the option. Uh, they will lose all hope in Pakistani democracy. Second thing that will happen is, if they kill Imran Khan, then there will be a military coup. There is no way that this will happen. There will be divisions in the military. Yeah. There might be some officers that want, you know, try to uh, foment a rebellion of some sort. And then... Pakistani government is like so incompetent, they're unable to handle it. And the military will have to step in at that time, which may be what they already want. So they want Pakistan yeah. to be completely controlled for the next few years. So to Yeah, be- so it's like you think of Z- Zulfikar Bhutto, right? I mean, it's that kind of situation. They'll arrest exactly him that and kind die of in jail. Yeah. So when uh, Zulfikar Bhutto's government was removed by the Pakistani military, Zulfikar Bhutto was put in jail. Right? Yeah, exactly. And the, this dilemma is it's the same dilemma. So the person who put Zutikar Bhutto in jail, he had two choices, either to let him go 
or to kill him. Yeah. If he lets him go, then he knew Zulfikar Bhutto will not leave him. So it's yeah. either him or them. And this is the same dilemma fa- faced by the Pakistani government and the Pakistani military right now. If they let Imran Khan go, if the elections happen, if, they, if Imran Khan wins that elections, he will not spare these people. There will be summary yeah. judgments and firing squads. You know, this is what yeah. Pakistan is going to head towards. And this is their survival. This, this is their lives they have to protect. To do that, they, and we have seen, they have gone to every extent to stop that from happening. And they have, they have tried to assassinate him. They have killed the journalists who supported him. So they are still going to try to do that. If they kill him, if they success, successfully kill him, Pakistan is going to uh, have a military coup just like it happened after, because they killed Zulfikar Ali Bhutto. Yeah. And the military had to step in. Military had to, you know, uh, had the worst time in Pakistan history with the civil liberties and civil rights. They had to oppress people. They had to like clamp down on every kind of free expression in the country for 10 years. And this is what we are looking at right now. If they are successful in uh, shutting up Imran Khan in any way, they'll have to they'll have to change the shape of what Pakistan looks like. Yeah, and change the direction of where it yeah. was headed, yeah. Well, that's a lot less optimistic than... <laughs> than... I'll tell you something optimistic. Okay, all right. Let's end on an optimistic note. Yeah. What were the scenes we have seen in the past three days and the, the struggle of people, the passion of people, the will and, uh, you know, the organization, how people have organically organized. It's not just the PTI, it's not PTI leadership that has organized people. These are organic organic movement many of these are people who do not even support Imran Khan they just hate the opposition they hate yeah. the state. all of them have come together and they have put such a brilliant such amazing I'm so proud of my people for putting up this amazing resistance they continue to resist even even if they're not successful in the short run this nation has learned something really important really invaluable this resistance will keep on. This will continue. They might crack down. Like, you know what happened in Iran when mm-hmm. they removed Mossadegh? They were mm-hmm. successful for a while. But people will come back with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. If they win right now, people will come back with a vengeance and the world will see. And if they lose right now, then the people that means the people have won. So in yeah. any case, you cannot stop the will of the people, especially a nation that has risen, that has woken up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's an interesting example, Iran, because the the revolution completely changed Iran. Right. I mean, the 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 there was no there's nothing of the structure that existed when Mossadegh was overthrown uh, yeah. after the 70s. So, yeah. Yeah. So something this is big, whatever, wherever this goes, this is the future of Pakistan is definitely in the balance. Yeah. Wow. All right. Thank you. We'll 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 come back. We'll have you back in a couple of months, I'm sure, or sooner. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Justin. Thanks.